Welcome to the Ask Weldon Show, episode 270. Today, we're going to talk about esports psychology coming to Call of Duty, plus Tony Robbins. So, uh, you may have noticed something a little bit different from the last show that is on YouTube a few short days ago. I did my normal, like, you know, face curation routine and ended up uh, with this hilarious output, which... Uh, was halfway to trolling my wife and halfway to just seeing what hilarious thing I could pull off. I did not expect to go out in public or show this to anybody ever, but it was just too good, and now I have to stream. I don't. I know you can't see it, but the sideburns are underneath the headset, but I'll just demonstrate that there. Um, so today, at least, the show is going to be hosted by Dr. Disrespect Cosplay, uh, Dr. Mind Games. I've got the ponytail, the, the black stripe on black shirt, and... Um, the uh, Ethiopian poisonous caterpillar only minus from Venezuela and is a is a socialist. Um, different, you know, Africa, South America. Um, yeah, so so welcome, welcome to the show. And without further ado, why don't we jump into the title screen and then the first question. So if you're unfamiliar with the format of the show, you send questions into anchor.fm slash Green, which is where my podcast is hosted. You can find the links there for Spotify, Google, iTunes, whatever your podcast uh, feed is. And then I answer them in audio on the show. You can check out the show live on twitch.tv slash MindGamesWeldon every single weekday at 11 o'clock, except when they, it isn't, which is, for example, today. I'm doing it at 2.30 because I had to do errands this morning on a Monday. So sometimes the Monday show gets skewed a little bit or the Friday show, depending on the schedule with the children and school in quarantine. And then you can hang out with me before and after the show to answer questions in Twitch chat and to watch my uh, Shadowlands World of Warcraft stream. Then uh, that's it. Yeah, send your questions in and I'll answer them. Let's jump into the first question from Michael. Also, I do have the MAC program, and I'm... Uh, okay, that was the wrong one. Let's try this one. Hi, Weldon. My name is Michael. Hi, Michael. So, I'm going to be talking about Call of Duty. I have a question. I just want to know, um, what can you suggest for me to be more aware and not play scared? Because I got dropped from three teams. I've been playing for about a year and a half, and in that time, I've gotten dropped from three teams, and the last team I got dropped from was um, because of my awareness and the plays I made. So I just want to know if you have any advice for me. Um, obviously, Call of Duty is a lot about mechanics and stuff, but also there's, especially in Search and Destroy, you do need a lot of awareness because you only get one life. So just wanted to know um, what you thought I could improve on or what I can do to improve on my awareness and like not playing scared. All right, so I answered this question on the previous show, and it was all muted, so I'm going to try to answer it again. I don't know if I'm going to be even close to what I said then, uh, but I don't have any recording of it. <laughs> so... Uh, all right. So if you're talking about your teams discussing your awareness, it could mean two different things. So I'm going to talk about, uh, what awareness might mean, um, without defining the word exactly. Uh, so I'm going to define the word like, and then talk about how to address that specific thing, because depending on what you mean with awareness, the solution is radically different uh, on the things that you need to work on. So awareness could mean, for example, um, the ability to, uh, essentially like grow from round to round so you are um changing the play that you're doing uh kind of like 
while you're while you're training so you you do a round with your team you say like okay well i made this mistake you go into the next round and you're going through the round and it's only after the round that you remember that you were going to practice this thing and you forgot to do it so it's like this oh i forgot to do these things that i was working on kind of awareness like an awareness of a moment to moment what are my goals for this round what are we learning what are we practicing what are we doing what is the goal and you just get lost in the game and the flow state of it and you lose track completely of what you're supposed to be practicing what you're supposed to be doing what the play is and and you're just kind of like in your instincts and you're you don't have this metacognitive uh driver that that allows you to curb your behavior towards the the goal of of improvement specific improvement as requested by a teammate as opposed to just the kind that's automatic or a specific like hedged plan that is like not exactly what you would instinctively do but is what the team is trying to accomplish um so that is the first kind of awareness I want to talk about, and that is done by getting this metacognitive awareness of your play. And the best way to do that is to set triggers around the screen or in the game. So you put like sticky notes, and you're like, "Remember, think about what you're doing." Um, and you you take a moment before every single round when you're playing by yourself, not with your team, because you don't really have time for that if you're if you're uh, grinding out um, uh, team team vods and. And you like try to remember, okay, what are my goals for this round, and what am I going to try to accomplish? And you try to think uh, metacognitively about your actions. So you you're, you need to find these moments within the moments of your game. You don't have time in a game to think, so you have to find the time between those moments of action where your brain uh, c- can be used for just um, awareness. And you need to get used to pulling yourself out and like seeing that. Uh, that flow of the game and making decisions on a higher level. And the best way to do that is to set triggers where you, you put an alarm on your phone, you set a beep to go off every 30 seconds that pulses and makes you think. You set uh, sticky notes around your screen that tell you things and, and then you see them. Um, you, you, you set triggers in the game or specific moments where like, okay, whenever I get to this part of the map, I'm going to stop, close my eyes for a sec, and then I'm going to open my eyes and I'm going to remember, and when my eyes are closed, I'm going to like think about like what I'm going to be doing. Um, something like that to like get get in the habit of doing that and then once the engine's running you don't need to do it as much because you're automatically always thinking about uh, it's kind of like posture like you're, you don't pay attention to your posture at all and, you, and to get started to get over the hump is really difficult you got to have a lot of cues to constantly make you evaluate your posture throughout uh, a gaming session but then once you get used to that you're on autopilot you're constantly like every you know, a few minutes you're like checking in with your posture and you're like correcting it and relaxing the right muscles and tightening the right ones up and, and you're, and you're getting good posture. So, uh, that is the first kind of awareness that your team might be talking of. Okay. Second kind of awareness is, you know, what's going on and you're in there in the game and you're like, okay, you're aware of what the team play is. Uh, like we're going this way, right? And three people are going this way, but you don't, or two people are going this way, but you don't, you do this other thing. And you're like, I know that that was the plan, but like I was doing this other thing. Uh, because like that's what I think is right and this I think could be more of a communication issue it's not that you lack awareness it's that what your instinct is to do in the play is different than what your team wants you to do they want you to run across and join them let's say or they want you to cover this thing and you're like I can't I can't because these factors that are like in my mind I don't know why but I just think this is a bad idea or I think that that's a bad idea or like I can't cover here or like I really need to use utility there like I just feel like I need to use my utility right here because I just feel like that's the right move and and if your team disagrees and then they're like, you don't, you aren't aware, you aren't like following the team play, you aren't practicing with us, you're wasting utility here, you're not coming coming with us uh, to the zone, you're not covering this line or whatever, you need to explain to them, you need to, you need to be able to process why it is your instincts tell you to do the other thing and then find a way to explain to them like, okay, 
regardless of whether or not that's like that's the plan like the plan fell apart when the game started like the plan is fine up until the round starts then the round starts and it's like okay now we're like in it and we have to adapt you have, you got to have you got to have instincts and you got to have the ability to to think on the fly and to, to to do what you're trained to do and if the plan causes you to expose yourself or to play inferior it's not a plan a very good plan now you might say like it's it's better to take higher risk in order to like get to a point where you can execute over and over again like we want to do a drill there's no drills in the game so we have to like play in an inferior way in order to get drills to happen so we can put ourselves in a position to practice what we want to practice but then there's the dilemma of like okay well then you're not really like playing the game accurately because we're we gotta we gotta also like consider our practice as, as real practice too so so you have to kind of balance that with your team and and this is a communication flaw where you need to explain your thought process between the the things that you're doing versus the things they want you to do and why it is that that the plan doesn't incorporate those things and needs to your instincts because otherwise it's just a crappy plan in the first place and it's going to break down when we get to the real match um, and even if I did the wrong thing technically in game to get to the part where we want to practice, it wouldn't, it's just not worth it. Like let's just practice getting to there in the first place or something like that. Right. So those are the two things that usually teammates accuse other teammates of when they say they lack awareness it's, it's one of those two buckets. And I hope that that is helpful to you, uh, in parsing out like what your dilemma is and that you have a few, uh, tactics to deal with it. All right, let's jump into announcements. Um, here it is. We're in it with the first week of the show back from a uh, holiday break. So we're going to try to see how the time schedule works with the kids in school uh, and me uh, trying to get started at 11 o'clock. But we will know tomorrow morning at Tuesday. Try to tune into Twitch then. Check my Twitter for the announcement tweet when I go live. Um, and otherwise, uh, if you have a, um, what is it, a service request or, or like a help request in with the app over the last three or four weeks. I've been kind of like underwater on that and I'm going to try to get burned through them this week. So look for an answer on that this week uh, to deal with the stuff that's happening in the app. And let's jump into the second question. This is the Michael in Call of Duty show. So we're going to get a second question here from Michael about Call of Duty. Hey, well then it's Michael again. Um, so the way I see it to go pro in Call of Duty, you basically do that through search and destroy tournaments and online tournaments. And the best way to do that is to be fluent with every gun, but I was wondering if it would be better to just get fluent with like an assault rifle versus an SMG assault rifle sniper and all the different guns, because most of the S&D players I see, they play like all the different guns, but maybe if I just focus on one gun, I'll see more results, and then I'll be able to transition that to other play styles quicker than if I focus on doing an AR, one game, a submachine gun, another game, and then try sniping, because then I'll like not get as far in just one and not be able to play at a high level. What are your thoughts? So, I don't know um, specifically Call of Duty. I haven't worked with any pros in the Call of Duty scene. And, and had to break apart how it is that they got where they got. But if I'm specifically talking about um, almost every pro that I have worked with in Counter-Strike and League of Legends has one-tricked their way through uh, a variety of uh, skill, skill growth moments. So it's not that you one-trick something the entire time all the way up to when you're pro. You just play a single gun and you put yourself as a one-dimensional player. It's that 
you got to go deep into a system to understand it. And you can't just play with a bunch of different guns that dictate different styles of play. Um, you, you might get like practice on the particular nuances of aim with that gun, but the play style surrounding that gun is, is something that you need to, you need to make all of the surface stuff automatic and then get to the next level. And then you need to make all that stuff automatic and get to the next level in terms of your game awareness. And to do that, it's best to erase or get to a high level the things that you don't need or want to spend time thinking about. So your brain is free to like dig in to uh, out playing people at, at, at an even more advanced level. So that is best accomplished by one tricking, by just like mainlining a specific choice, taking that choice off the table, always going with that, and then just like getting super good at the next level of expertise that comes when the use of a particular weapon or the play style surrounding a particular weapon is automatic, okay? That doesn't mean to stay with it all the way. It means that you should do a week of this gun or play style, and then you should do a week of uh, assault rifles, and then you should do a week of sniper sidearm or something. I don't even know if they use sidearms in Call of Duty or if you do a sniper assault rifle uh, or what your loadout is. But anyway, um, I want you to think about it in terms of like looking at the meta uh, and then look at the ranges of engagement and the, and the two or three dominant ways of playing the meta and then take a loadout that like best fits that um, that like what's realistic right uh and then just play it and just grind it out and always be looking to improve the most minor facet of play style and outplay around that don't just get like averagely good and be like okay put the cap on that let's go to the next one like just go deep it's like you're swimming down and down and down and down into the nuances of mastery i remember a particular conversation i had with um double lift who is a league of legends professional player around one of the more one-dimensional champions in the game siver who has like at the time had uh like very very few active abilities uh just like one skill shot and one um spell shield that was on a very long cooldown and then one um uh, auto attack reset that ricocheted and and then like an ultimate that basically just like buffed the team and wasn't very useful uh, in terms of like combat and he uh, it became meta and he spent a lot of time playing it and he said that after he had spent a few weeks like playing this in the meta and playing it in scrims it's he started to like realize that there was a whole nother way of thinking about uh, how he was using that champion that he had not even considered before until he got got to there and then that opened up like a whole bunch of refinement in his play style that he could practice that he just really enjoyed delving into. But it took this like forced focus on a very simple one dimensional champion that everybody else would say, like, I don't really need to practice that because there's not a lot here to practice mechanically for him to realize that there was much for him to practice mechanically. And that the more that you refine something, uh, the more that you can um, think about the, the next thing that you should be practicing on top of what you've already got nailed down. So I would say uh, one trick yourself through a variety of play styles and really focus on them for an extended period of time. Extended is up to you to determine whether that is like, uh, I don't know how much you play, but whether that's seven days or whether that's 20 days is, uh, is kind of like a personal, personal um, calibration that you need to do. Uh, and uh, I don't recommend swapping on a round-by-round -round basis or even within the same day until you've already mastered those. And then what you want to practice is actually switching between them, you know, mentally resetting yourself to that. And that's an entirely different ballgame. 
Um, that's like what I'm doing right now in World of Warcraft, where I'm one tricking tanks all the way, and then I'm and right now I'm trying to get to the mode where I can like switch back and forth very easily between them. But that that is a complete. Um, I need to get deeper into each one in terms of expertise before I start swapping back and forth. So, all right, thanks for the questions. Let's jump into the advertisement section of the show. This is where the ads go, but I don't have any sponsors because uh, the sponsor is me. So check out my Mind Games training program, mindgames.gg. It's actually stopped being a video course. Now it's a beta version of an app. But if you get the beta version of the app, you can also, the video course is in there. So you can still do that while it's kind of being constructed from the inside. We have the first week in uh, a decent like set of the loops of the three things that need to happen within the app for it to function. It's functional. I wouldn't say it's like beautiful and refined, but uh, since it's, this is a one-man shop, it's uh, actually extravagantly cool. And uh, I appreciate your support if you come check it out. All right, let's jump into question number three. Again, from Michael. Well then, this is Michael here. So I just came back from a Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within event. And something you talk about, about a lot in the Mac program is um, just accepting your emotional states. Something he talks about is... Um, changing your state and I was just wondering what you thought about um, like Tony Robbins if you know anything about it basically he's just like change your um, phys- physiology to change your state and then you talk about just like accepting your state whatever it is and then just doing what you have to do so I wanted to know if you thought like it was one or the other or if you could combine the two I'm um, just kind of curious about that all right thanks for the question so I know who Tony Robbins is. I won't c- claim any familiarity with uh, his uh, his material. Um, but generally speaking, what I'm talking about with in terms of acceptance of uh, current emotional state is uh, based on psychological research around performance. So um, I know that Tony Robbins is more of like a practitioner person and more of a like a motivational speaker and less of a scientist. But uh, that doesn't mean what he's saying is wrong. It just means that um, we're talking about two different things. I'm speaking specifically about what are the the specific mental skills that are required in a moment-to-moment basis in order to... Uh, and what is happening in like an Olympian's mind when they are like uh, performing at a very top level at a particular particular second of the game, Right like something is going wrong and they're adapting swiftly and dealing with pressure and then noticing a uh, audience member and then feeling self-conscious from that and then uh, performing anyway. So that's very different than what Tony Robbins is talking about, which is he wants to modify people's position in life. He wants to go in and like over time, over multiple days or multiple months or whatever, he wants you to change who you are into different habits and different thought processes and different self-talk. So the way that you coach somebody to change their behavior, behavior change is a wide open field. And I am, although I'm in the boss, I am in the, um, uh, what is it like? The, I am in the, the position of science of the, the field of, I'm in the field of, I'm in the process of, I don't know, whatever I'm in, I'm in the behavior change, uh, field with this app. Like that's one of the things we're doing is trying to change your behavior over time, uh, and I'm trying to change your behavior so that you have a certain set, set of skills for, for high performance. Um, the fundamental assumption of uh, trying to change your state to be a high-performing state is that then you're in a high-performing state and you're all good. And the fundamental assumption of my um, literature 
uh, and of what of the literature in high performance is that something is always going to go wrong. You're gonna. It doesn't matter who you are and how well you've prepared your new version of yourself. You're going to get into the clutch moment uh, of the seventh clutch moment of the fourth day of third something, and your mind is going to go back to a very dark place, and, and you're going to have a crappy moment of self-reflection, self-awareness. Something's going to go wrong. Um, you're going to wake up late. You're going to wake up up on the wrong side of the bed. Your friend is going to call you. Your brother's going to die. Uh and it's going to throw you off at one of the most important moments of your life and your chance. And you want to have the ability to function in a rugged emotional environment. Um, and you want to have that ability as the core thing that you're practicing. Because rather than controlling who you are and controlling the environment, I want you to control what you're able to do uh, in, in the wilderness of your mind. Um, and so I would say that if Tony and I were to maybe sit down for a talk, we would find a lot of common ground. Um, I think that the business of what he's doing is trying to take a large swath of people and teach them how to garner some self-respect and achievement in their life. Um, and what I'm trying to do is help a lot of people who are um, kind of like at the mercy of their own impulses, realizes realize that the things that they think and the things that they do and the things that they say are not them and do not control them, and that they are what they choose to do, uh, which is very freeing for a lot of people who um, uh, are like, okay, I'm going to reinvent myself and do the perfect morning and get the perfect habit, and then they do it for a week, and they're like, yes, I am a new me, and then they, the, the 14th day they don't, and they fall off the horse, and then they're like, ah... Oh, I lost it. Like I lost who I was in that moment and I lost who I am. Like when I'm, when I'm in that and I, and, and I don't want to put people in a position where like in order to be a creative writer, they have to go to the perfect lake and have the perfect sunrise and the perfect creative bout and have the perfect like setup in order to do something that they want and have like the setup morning and the good state and the change of who they are. I want them to be able to, to choose on, on their bad days to uh, just be a little bit better moment to moment. So um, I, th I think that we just have two different goals and we're after two different things. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I, let's just say in answer to your question, like both, and, uh, we're talking about kind of like different systems probably. All right. Thanks for the question. Thanks for the show. The, the Michael show here with us. I'm going to throw in one more cause I'm trying to burn through the pile of questions that I have in backlog. Um, but appreciate, Michael, all of your call-ins and insightful questions. And I hope that you find this show, even though you sent these in uh, before my hiatus. So here we go. Question four from Stephen. Hey, Walden. Uh, this is Stephen from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I'm wondering if you're familiar with uh, personality dimensions, uh, such as the Big Five or perhaps even Hexaco. Uh, and... If in your experience, have you ever, uh, I guess, felt that any particular personality dimension stand out in the athletes that you work with? And if any of them, uh, I guess, stand out as key markers of athlete success or growth? Thanks. All right. Uh, in my experience, do any particular personality codifications as for like the systems that you have suggested stand out? 
Um, I'll do one better than my experience. In the research field, the answer is also resoundingly no. Um, the things are these personality dimensions are far too general and imprecise to be of use in terms of predicting any sort of athletic performance. Uh, that's the short answer. Long answer is that I gave an answer a couple days ago on the show. Let me see if I can recall which number it is so you can refer to it. Um, episode 268, the Ask Weldon Show, so two shows ago, if you count this one as one. Um, the best personality type for Lowell, I talk in the final question from Jacob about that. Um, basically personality research, you would say is it's, it's a real thing, right? We know that we have personalities, but I would say the research of them is in its infancy and incredibly imprecise. And it's kind of like Newton trying to use his version of physics to do astronomical things. It just breaks down at very small and very large scales. It's not useful, uh, in any way to, um, compared to relativity theory, right? Um, or, or physics with, with when we know the actual rules of physics. Uh, so, yeah, it might be useful in a boardroom when you're looking back at the experience to say, oh, maybe this is descriptive of what happened, but it's very useless in a predictive way um, in, in most settings. And then in sport, it's um, not useful at all. There are, there are personality characteristics that are, that are important, but these don't fall within the dimensions you're talking about. The dimensions are really just like an industry kind of way of making money off of personality research, whereas personality research is more interested in like particular characteristics of personality um, and not in these like dimensions and tests and different things that are in the business sector that are kind of like used to sell personality stuff to corporations. Um, so uh, yeah, personality characteristics that are, that are, synonymous with athletic high performance would be like perfectionism uh there's a lot of high level perfectionism in a lot of you would say that in some ways in order to be a world-class performer in some craft you have to have a little of perfection like neuro a neurotypical perfectionism you have to be deeply unsatisfied with uh mediocrity to push yourself to that extreme in in any way so i have seen a, uh, I have seen that it's very difficult to be a 0.002% performer in a particular field on the bell curve if you're not atypical in your neurosis about perfection. <laughs> and that what I do is generally try to teach people how to be imbalanced with wellness rather than to have a balanced life. I think a lot of like... Uh, uh, health coaches, you would say, or wellness coaches that aren't sports psychology trainers, specifically sports psychology trainers, go into teams and, and elite players, especially on the esports side, and they're trying to teach them how to be like, have a balanced life. And there's a lot of like, uh, like pseudo advice from people who don't really know saying like, oh, we need to like limit our work day and we need to do, the, do all these other things to like help bring esport athletes in line with um, uh, nine to five employees, which is never going to happen. Um, the only limitation we have on physical sports is the fact that the body breaks down. That's the only thing that stops an NBA player from out there practicing all the time and grinding it out longer is that their body literally needs to rest. And we don't have that limitation in eSport, and so people are going to train that hard. And as soon as you limit pros from training the length that they that they are going to train, then the next crop of amateurs below them is going to eat them for breakfast by out-hustling them. 
So it's, it's never going to happen when you have somebody who's driven to be as competitive uh, as a professional. So, yeah, there's, a, there's an unhealthy kind of characteristic of perfectionism there. Uh, or like saviorism, where like this is the thing that has saved me and gives me edification. And so I'm going to all in on it as my uh, identity, right? That I am this good at this game and that is who I am. Uh, and then they can't accept anything but that. And then my job is to help do that neurosis with well-being. That is to like take the rough edges off so that when you're I, when you suck at the game, your identity doesn't come crashing down. Or that through your double-edged sword of perfectionism, you are trying to be more perfect, but also more accepting of who you are and your limitations, and that maybe you're not going to be a world champion or the best at this. Um, and that like on some level, some part of you accepts that and you can turn it on and shut it off at a will in your training environment in order to make use of it when you go home at night but not have it interfere with your training when you're trying to like be better than your opposing team in a scrimmage so yeah there's per certain personality characteristics for sure that are very important for high performance but there is no personality dimension test from like the corporate world of selling personality to make money that uh, has anything to do with performance uh, on, a, on a research scale and that is shown to have any efficacy in that uh, as a in the compendium of research findings. Now, you can find one or two studies here or there that often are funded by the particular corporations that own these tests, right? But um, I'm talking about, like, in standard use. All right, that's it for today. And I appreciate everybody's attention, and I will see you on the next show. Make sure to check out us live on twitch.tv slash Weldon. And if you're on Twitch, check out the shows on YouTube for all the back episodes. Uh, YouTube.com slash C slash MindGamesG, I think, is the channel. I'm not really sure. Anyway, just search MindGames on YouTube. You'll find it. Um, or MindGamesWeldon. Or Ask Weldon Show. There's a variety of different key terms that you could search in order to find my show. Yeah, or my channel. And uh, I will see you guys next time.